Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stuff My Therapist Says, powered by Macon Wellness. I am your host, Sarah Macon, and today I am meeting with a incredible guest. His name is Doug Puchko. He is a therapist at Macon Wellness, and in this episode, he's going to teach you how to have a better relationship, which who doesn't want to have better relationships nowadays? He's going to teach us about the five love languages, how to find out what your and your partner's love language is, what to do with that information, and he also shares some practical tips for having a stronger relationship. Make sure to share this episode with your friends, family, and loved ones who can also benefit from improving their relationships. And let's dive on in with Mr. Doug. Doug, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on and learn more about the five love languages with you. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course, of course. So what initially piqued your interest in learning about the five love languages? Sure. I, I've heard a lot about the five love languages over the years and uh, just kind of trying to get a better grasp on it. I've seen the book a bunch uh, on a shelf at home. And then I finally got into it once I started doing couples work. Mm-hmm. And I realized how crucial it is just to you know, help people with understanding one another and and a lot of missed opportunities and miscommunications that could be easily resolved through utilizing what they cover. So when you talk about miscommunications that could be easily resolved, do you have any examples or anything like that? I think some big ones are what seems like a small gesture. Like if, if we get into a disagreement and I walk out of the room, uh, it might be seen as, oh, they, they're leaving my space. They must hate me right now or they must not care about me. When in actuality, I just need some space to be able to better focus and get my thoughts together. And that miscommunication of what my language is, which is kind of proximity and being, you know, quality time together, comes off as rejection and, and brings up a lot of negativity and all of these barriers within a relationship. So it's automatically assuming that someone's behaviors or actions is a certain thing when in reality it might not be. And you just like don't understand why the other person is doing what they're doing until you learn about what their love languages are and until you learn more about their behaviors. And just because someone's walking away from an argument doesn't necessarily mean that they're abandoning you. It just could mean that like, hey, I need some space and I need to calm down before we continue on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's really hard is to initially kind of get across the concepts of love languages because there's there's so much hurt or, or perceived hurt before we even get initiated in, in the concepts that people really have to break down those barriers before we can fully understand the differences that people have and, and how people receive love so differently at times. Oh, yeah, definitely. And a lot of it, you know, has to do with your upbringing and life circumstances and even your preferences. So you were mentioning by the time many times people start to engage in couples counseling and they're working on discovering their love languages, um, what is that process typically like? Like how how can people find out what their love language is? Sure. So um, there's a link online that I always use. If you just Google five love languages quiz, it comes up with a really easy link. It takes about like five minutes to go through. And I, I hear people say that it's it's mostly accurate. There's some disagreements at times, but I, I find the vast majority of the time people find like, yeah, it's a really good way to kind of help better understand themselves so they can better understand their partner and allow their partner in. Because there's a lot of difficulties with what do you need? I don't know. 
right? Mm-hmm. And you got to get that response quickly. So being able to have this, like, well, maybe it's physical touch or maybe it's more uh, quality time together. Maybe it's just, you know, some help around the house. And it's kind of an easy access point to kind of have those results and kind of break down how they can be utilized between them. Do people ever sometimes think their love language is something and then they take the test and it's something else? Yeah, I've had a lot of people who either assume their partners is something else or their themselves. And they're like, well, like I do a lot of work around the house, so it must be acts of service. Or a lot of people uh, assume like the, the male in the relationship must be physical touch. And sometimes they're really surprised to see it's, it's a lower percentage or, or it's not nearly as high as they thought it was. And it can be perceived that, you know, yes, I, I'm showing my love through intimacy, through holding your hand, but it's much more received through positive words, right? Mm-hmm. There, there can be a lot more of, of I, I know you care because of these things instead of, well, you're just holding my hand because you're my partner. And it's kind of where that love comes from is why people have those disconnects at times of what they think their love language is versus what they really get down to and, and find more about themselves through. How does your love language impact how you express love? When it comes to expressing love, if I believe that acts of service are really big, and my me and my partner live together, I might start you know doing stuff around the house, whether that's cleaning the dishes or cutting the grass, going to the grocery store, kind of doing things that show like this is a you know a joint effort that we both need to take care of, but I'm going to do it because I care about you. That's how I'm expressing it. And if the other person doesn't receive it that way, they might think, yeah, this is important and this just has to be done. It's not because you love me, but it's because we live in a house that has responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So kind of being able to better understand your partner's communication they're trying to get across can be really crucial in showing like, oh, this is them showing love versus this is them doing something that just is checking off a box for them. That's a great explanation. And it's very true. Like many times people express their love in a way that they want love expressed to them. So if someone someone's love language is acts of service or are acts of service, then they're constantly doing acts of service for other people, not necessarily realizing that just because you like to um, receive love in a certain way um, doesn't mean that everyone does. So that's really important to like take the quiz, know what your love language is, know what your partner's love language is. And so that way you can express love in a way where they can understand it. Cause it's like, if you're speaking English to someone who speaks Mandarin, I mean, they're not going to interpret it if you're not speaking their love language. So we talk quite a bit about a high level overview of what the five love languages are. So what exactly are the five love languages, Doug? One of the big ones that a lot of people bring up is kind of physical touch. And mm-hmm. I always want to clarify the physical touch isn't just uh, any kind of intimacy or sexual contact. It can just be holding hands. It can be, you know, walking past somebody and brushing their your hand across their shoulder, scratching their back, um, just kind of physically being there for your partner. And a lot of people just want that that contact of, of security, of safety. And you kind of mentioned earlier that it can be from childhood, right? And it can just be kind of, yeah, like whenever they were scared, their parents would hold them or, mm-hmm. or they would cuddle or something like that. And it shows like, this is how you receive love. And just that comfort of knowing someone is physically there is huge for some people. Another one is kind of gets tied to that similarly is quality time. And I just want to clarify, quality time isn't we're both sitting in the same room watching Netflix, right? It can be so long as we're both fully engaged Phones are down, laptops are away, and kind of in the moment, right? So whether it's watching TV together, going out for a date, a walk, mm-hmm. or it's kind of like this this space is ours and not ours so that we can then go do something else, but it's kind of like so that we can just exist here, kind of like almost mindfulness component of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of couples are like, we spend time together all the time. It's like, yeah, but like, are you present? 
Yeah. Where like, sure, you're cooking dinner, but you're, you're doing the dinner part. You're not actually engaged with one another. And I think that that part of, of pulling that separation or that, that technology out of it can really be a huge bonus of, of, oh, like, they're here because they care. Being mindful and present and, like, scrolling. Hate to break it to you, but, like, scrolling on the, on Instagram or a TikTok while you're with your partner you know, you're not, you're mentally engaged in something else. You're not necessarily mentally engaged like with your partner. So being mindful and present and attentive, is very important. So that's a really great point that you mentioned, Doug, because I think a lot of couples do experience that. Like they think that they're spending quality time, but they're actually not. Absolutely. And some will just kind of say like, yeah, I love spending time with them, but like they can't get off that damn phone. Right. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like that, that undertone of anger because they feel like they're so close to experiencing that connection. Yeah. But there's that separation that exists still. The, another language which we mentioned is acts of service. And like I said, it can be chores around the house. It can be uh, groceries. It can be kind of anything like, I'm going to move this thing for you. Like, do you need help? Let me get you a glass of water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people see it as like, I'm not here to be your servant. Uh, <laughs> That's offensive. She's sure. kidding. <laughs> and I, I have a lot of couples who kind of will get into that argument. Like, why would I need to be the one that has to get you water? You can get it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's not about yeah, I know I, I can physically get up and get the water, but it's much more attached to, well, this is, I'm showing you I care. Yeah. Because I, I will spend that energy and get this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of receiving it that way is important. Yeah. So that's acts of service. What are some of the other ones? Small gifts. gifts. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to small gifts, I think a lot of people see this as, I should say those who, it is not their love language. Mm-hmm. So this is like, why would I waste money on something small, right? Yeah. And it's not just like, because I want you to spend money on me. It's kind of seen as I was out and I was thinking of you. So I got brought back like this small postcard or I mm-hmm. brought back this flower or I brought back the, these candies. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that's absorbent amount of money, you know, typically less than $10, just kind of like, Hey, I was thinking of you. So I did this. Mm-hmm. And that, that feeling, uh, whether that's goes back, like we said, to like the childhood and kind of like, yeah, well, my parents were out, they kind of bring me small things to show they cared. Or if it's just something to show like, Hey, like here's a flower. Cause I was thinking of you. And it's such a small gesture and it doesn't have to be, here's like 20 roses bouquet yeah. because, but just, Hey, here's this, because like it reminded me of you, right. And mm-hmm. something sentimental attached to it carries a lot of weight to show that like, because I care with it. It's like going out of your way to get a gift that shows how much you care about the other person. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a big or extravagant gift or anything like that it can be something very small and something simple. It doesn't need to be anything super fancy because ultimately it's the thought that matters. Absolutely. And then the last one uh, is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the words, a lot of people who are thinking kind of the structures of report instead of rapport of kind uh-huh. of like this and then that and then this will say like, you're doing a great job at this. You did good at work. You did good. You accomplished this. Those are great words of affirmation. They come from a really good place, but it's also saying, some people feel like the underlying, t- underlying tone is that you did not do well on any other day if you mm-hmm. didn't accomplish something. So even saying like, hey, I appreciate what you've done for me, or I, I appreciate how much you care about our daughter. I appreciate the effort you put in around the house, right? But verbally stating what you like about your partner, what you care about your partner, and, and what makes you happy about your partner is really satisfying because it hits a lot of validating points for some people. Oh my goodness, especially if it's, if, if it's someone that struggles to validate themselves internally, to get that external validation from your partner can be very gratifying. Absolutely. And I, I always enjoy hearing couples who disagree on this. And they're like, why would I care if you, you know, you don't need to tell me I'm doing a good job. 
I just need help around the house. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, that's where the love languages kind of run into each other. So just being able to have that space of, yeah, you do a lot. How do like, that's, it's, if you want me to say it, I will. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. Like that's, that's the key point of just kind of giving them that verbal, what you're processing or what you're thinking. And sometimes we think our partner already knows it and there's nothing wrong with just restating it. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I'm still in love with you or like, Hey, I, I really like when you do this. Like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for doing that. So getting clarity on what their ideal love language is and then making some adjustments so that way you can present your love in a way where your partner sees and understands it and feels good. So how integral do you find the five love languages to be within a relationship? Like how important is it? Like, do I really need to go take the quiz and then, you know, change how I'm showing love? Like how important is this really? I know I never want to say it's very important, right? Because it always depends. Uh, if you and your partner have the same love language uh, and you're both like, yeah, we love quality time, there's probably no disconnect there. Mm-hmm. But I think at times whenever you find like there's some uh, attention you don't quite understand or you're like, I don't understand why you're upset about this, it can help clarify some of those, right? And like I mentioned, if I try and, you know, I, I, someone puts their arm around me and I pull away and physical touch is their love language, they're really like, oh, like they're disgusted by me. Yeah. Instead of like, no, it's just hot out, right? It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> And just kind of clarifying how people are expressing and how people are receiving. I think that is uh, integral because it aligns people who feel like there's, you know, I'm doing all the things to show I love them and they don't feel like I love them at all. How mm-hmm. is this possible? Yeah. It's like, yeah, like you said, you're speaking Mandarin and I'm speaking English and like, I might understand some tonalities, but I have no idea what's, what's actually being uh, conveyed to me. So it's important for anyone in a relationship to be aware of their partner's love language and of your own love language. So that way you can improve the quality of your relationship. And that in of itself can be such a game changer for so many couples, because if you are feeling dissatisfied or if you're not feeling loved, or if there's relationship challenges pertaining to feeling like you're not giving or getting affection from your partner, this can be so helpful because nine out of 10 times they're using the incorrect love language. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you advise to people that learn that their partner has a different love language than them? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, I've, I've had clients who've come to me and be like, well, I found like me and my partner are compatible. I saw this on TikTok or I saw this somewhere else where like we have different love languages great you know it's kind of like yeah we all grew up in different households we all have different backgrounds of course you do like that's fine uh it's normal yeah absolutely i've never i don't think i've ever run into somebody who's taken the quiz and they're in their partner 100 percent match not even in in percentages but like in in hierarchy there's Mm -hmm. always some slight variation i think what's so crucial about that is understanding them and if i want them to understand me i have to speak their language Mm -hmm. and i think there's always that disconnect of people feeling like well i feel inauthentic if like small guests don't mean anything to me and they're huge to my partner. Mm-hmm. Like if I show that I care, I would much rather create something and I'd much rather like make something, do all these like acts of service to show yeah. I care, this big thing. Uh, they just want a small gift, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I get like put all that energy, effort, time, love that you're doing into their language so that they can read it, right? Otherwise, you're giving them gibberish that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So just being able to say, if physical touch is huge to you and they pull away, okay. When you receive it though, you're like, oh, this is great. They care so much. Mm-hmm. That's how they feel about that small gift. Mm-hmm. right being able to give them that slight flower is like when they give you a back rub mm-hmm. it's like oh this is the care and being able to kind of see it that way i was like it may feel inauthentic at first but that's only because you're speaking a new language mm-hmm. and you're it just trying time. to make yeah you're trying to make sure they understand it so the more you do it 
you know, with time, you'll get more comfortable with expressing love in their love language. Absolutely. Right. That's kind of the, what's your goal? My goal is to show I care. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do it in a way they understand. So what happens, like, let's say you have a client who feels like they're not compatible with their partner because their love languages are different. What do you do then? So uh, I'll kind of break down. Okay. What do you, if you care about your partner, what are you doing today to show that you care, you know, and see what the response is. If it's, uh, you know, we spend all this time together, but I feel like they just want to be apart from me or, you know, I, I feel like I want to be more physical. They keep pulling away. And then we'll kind of look at the partner and like, okay, well, when do you see your partner is, is loving? It's like, well, like they do a lot of chores around the house, but that's expected. Right. And it's kind of like, they're both showing it just in such opposite ways. So kind of really focusing on how you can better understand the way that your partner's trying to show they care and help show the way that would be more beneficial for you to explain it to them. And I think a huge component of that is also if my love language, uh, my highest love language is uh, words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. the opposite of that affects me so negatively because it's kind of saying this is where I feel the most vulnerable and like hyped up, you know, like you're doing great. You're doing so good. And somebody says you're doing terrible. You're too needy. You're too clingy. It hits twice as hard because instead of like what should be love, feels like the absolute bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important if, you know, physical aff- affection, if I go for a hug and somebody pulls away, they must hate me. They must despise me because we kind of carry that, that negative reaction on what is our, our top language as well. So if someone is doing the opposite of their love language, it hurts very deeply. Yeah. So if someone has a love language of gifts and their partner doesn't present any gifts to them, then they can feel not loved and it's very painful. So understanding what your partner's love language is so important because you may be accidentally really hurting your partner and not even realizing it. Absolutely. Or if you're like, oh, those flowers look great in the window and they're like, flowers are stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of immediately shut down like, oh, my, my love must not be good. Right? Yeah. And that is definitely not healthy for a relationship. So we talked about the five love languages in regards to a relationship or more of a romantic relationship up until this point. Are the five love languages helpful outside of the relationship context as well? Sure. So I I think, uh, especially with families, when it comes to, I've had so many clients say that they'll try and discuss something with their parents or they're, they're looking for some kind of verbal validation and they don't receive it. And instead they go home and their parents are like, I made you cookies, right? Or like, I made you this, this great dinner. And it's kind of like, hey, your parents are showing you they care with love. And it's like, I'm, I'm doing this because you're here. When really you just want to say like, hey, I'm proud of you. You're doing mm-hmm. good. And there's that disconnect where it feels like my parents don't care anything about me. And it's like, no, they're, they're trying to show you the way they know how. So it can be that disconnect in any kind of relationship, whether it's, it's romantic love or, or just parental love or even like friendship. I feel like, you know, when we hang out together, you're never really present. It's like, I work so busy. It's like, okay, well, like we used to when we hang out as kids, like you was, was there and kind of finding that connection of, oh, this is just how they're expressing it and kind of being more open to, they are showing it. It's just not the way I'm used to receiving it. Mindfulness is important with that. And the five love languages are not just something that is important to consider in a romantic standpoint. It's relevant when it comes to your friends, your family, your colleagues and other people um, because everyone expresses their affection in different ways. What are your thoughts on couples who are looking to learn more about the five love languages? 
or are thinking about engaging in couples counseling with their partner. So when it comes to like, should couples engage in, in couples counseling, I always say there's great importance in being able to better understand one another, learn good conflict resolution skills, and find out how to correct or even prevent broken cycles from occurring. And I think couples counseling is so crucial for that. Uh, it gets a bad rap because in movies, it's always the first scene where, you know, like they try to go to couples counseling and they split. And I always say it's portrayed like that in media because it's a boring movie if they go to couples counseling and they're together. Yeah, right? that is true. Yeah, <laughs> the drama's <laughs> taken out movie. of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think being able to just kind of find out like, hey, how do we have an argument? How do we have a fight instead of make it like who can win this fight? Yeah. Let's come to a resolution and kind of how do we come together as a team to solve it? I think that step sounds so easy on paper, but working together to kind of put my differences aside and say like, okay, how can we come together for this is crucial. And I think couples counseling should be like an introductory session. Like, oh, so you're dating. Let's, let's talk about couples counseling mm-hmm. to kind of break down those barriers before they form, break down those, those broken cycles. So I feel like I'm not getting love and I feel like I'm not getting it. Well, you might be at different languages, mm-hmm. right? And kind of helping each other understand it's not going to break. It's not going to fix every problem, mm-hmm. right? But it's going to be able to mitigate the amount of problems you have and especially the misunderstandings that come with them. Which are, there are so many misunderstandings that can happen. And I really like how you mentioned essentially learning how to communicate and really fighting more fairly. And I'm doing air quotes when I say (laughs) fighting, just having a conversation and learning how to come to resolutions with your partner and having a better and deeper relationship with your partner is so important. If there are any challenges occurring, it's best to address them in the earlier stages. You don't want to wait until you're on the brink of getting a divorce and then get into couples counseling because we can absolutely still support you and help you out. However, it's there's a lot less emotional baggage and challenges if you start to address it earlier on. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to think about it. every conflict that you guys have that isn't resolved as a string. And the more conflicts that aren't being resolved, it's just tying into a bigger, bigger knot. So when you come to couples, yeah, it's a huge knot. We have to work out one at a time versus, you know, an early, uh, uh, an early session in your relationship can just kind of be, okay, let's work on this concept that's going through now. Let's work on this problem that just came up. And I think being able to have that space to feel comfortable, safe, expressing yourself uh, and, and being received without judgment is huge. And that's kind of how therapy and couples can really combine for that, that good uh, prosperous environment. Oh, absolutely. And I like how you use the word combine because it really is a team. Like you mentioned, when you're dating or married or engaged to someone, it is a partnership. It is a team situation. And if you look at it, like it's me against you or like I need to win and you need to lose, it it reduces the harmony in the relationship because the reality is that they're your life partner or, you know, if you're dating, you're starting to get to know the person better. It is a partnership. And there's something that I learned years ago when I first started doing couples counseling was like, well, you can always ask them, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Because if you're right, then someone has to be wrong and there's going to be this like unhappiness somewhere. Would you rather you know, be happy and put your ego and your pride aside and be open to making changes, be open to learning about the five love languages and being open to changing your way of delivering affection so that way your partner can experience it. 
Yeah, that's, I'll probably steal. That's really good. I think that's really important of kind of, it, it's not an, an I and you, it's, it's we. Right? Exactly. So it's, it's what I'm experiencing to help us, not you've done this and it set me back. Right. Because no, what are we, we're, that's not helping anybody in the sentence. Definitely not. Especially whenever you start a sentence with like, well, you typically doesn't go very well. Um, which reminds me of like the I feel blank when you blank. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I feel hurt when you withdraw physical affection from me. Uh, not you never show me physical affection and X, Y, and Z. It doesn't work out yeah. well. Or you abandoned me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I just went to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a misunderstanding there. Yeah. Right. But then when it goes to like, I didn't abandon, we defend our cause instead of, hey, why do you think that? Yeah. Kind of getting more into the love languages of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel abandoned when you walk away in the middle of a conversation and communicating in that way. Absolutely. And being mindful of the five love languages, which is very important. Do you have any words of wisdom for our audience about the five love languages? A lot of people that I ask in, in sessions, like, have you heard of them? They, they've heard of them in some regard, uh, whether positive or negative. But I think it isn't important to say that like the fixed mindset of like, I am always going to be this way or mm-hmm. I, I will never have that as a love language. They change just like we do. Mm-hmm. If, if I feel like I'm not getting any quality time, my love language might be very high in quality time right now. The more that I, I kind of convey that to my partner and we get to have that, that one-on-one time, you know, no electronics, just me and them kind of like enjoying the moment being there, it may go down. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, like those are great, but like we, we really rarely talk about words of affirmation. So it may change. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, every three months, four months, six months, whatever it is, check your love languages again because mm-hmm. they, they may change as your needs change. Right. We're spending all this time together, which is great. But like, hey, we're not being physical anymore. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that may be your new love language that you kind of really need to feel like you're cared about. Yeah. So your love language can change as life circumstances changes, as as your life circumstance may change. So it's important to save that link that Doug was mentioning regarding taking a five love languages quiz and have yourself and your partner take it every couple of months just to make sure you guys are on the same page. And if someone's love language does change, that you can make sure that you change the way that you express your affection it's yeah. an absolutely great conversation to have then. It definitely is. And life is so short and relationships can add so much value and happiness and just joy into your life. And it's definitely worth making whatever change that you can make to help to improve the quality of your your relationship. And the five love languages are an amazing place to start. Doug, this was such an incredible interview and I really appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared with our audience, it's going to help so many people. And if you'd, if you'd like to join or start couples counseling with Doug, definitely call our team at Make and Wellness, 833-274-HEAL, or check out our website at makeandwellness.com. By the time this is aired, in case Doug is unable to support any additional couples, we can absolutely match you with another one of our providers who also specializes in couples counseling. Thanks so much for joining me on this podcast, Doug. And thanks so much to our audience for listening to this episode about the five love languages. And until next time, please be well.